This episode of Career Center is brought to you in part by Brilio. Welcome to Career Center. I'm Kimberly White, Executive Director of the Career and Networking Center, a resource center focused on getting people back to work. The past few months have dramatically changed the way many of us, including the Career Networking Center, does business. On our last show, part one of the new normal, adapting to workforce post-COVID-19, we talked about challenges around work culture, productivity, stalled projects, and provided tips on how technology and education could help to improve efficiency. Today on part two, we will focus on the response, work-life balance, and share tools and resources. Joining me today are Cotter Sicaria, industry expert in IT, Joseph King, Chief Marketing Officer, Brilio, and Russell Walker, professor at University of Washington, Foster School of Business, and past clinical professor at Kellogg School of Management. Welcome. Great to be here. So glad to have you. I don't think anyone could have ever imagined COVID-19 and the varied ways organizations and universities have responded. So Connor, I'm gonna start with you. How did the work culture in your industry specifically change? And before you answer that question, share a little bit about yourself to our viewing audience. Thank you, Kim. Uh, it's really an honor and pleasure to be here with uh, such a great panel. Uh, it's amazing to see, um, you know, a company that uh, I partner with quite a bit also in the panel and also a professor from Kellogg and just brings me my days back of uh, craziness that I went through. So it's, it's a pleasure to be with this uh, great panel. Um, my background is, so I run um, digital transformation for a company called Realty. Um, we own a lot of brands, which is uh, Century 21, Kohler Banker, ERA, Sotheby's, um, Better Homes and Gardens are quite uh, some of the few known brands that we have. Um, and um, my background is more strategy consulting and spend a lot of time with Accenture and Anderson in the past. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been interesting times that like the way you put it, it, it's been very interesting how um, the COVID-19 has impacted um, overall the, the industry as well, right? Because the challenge for us was how are we going to react to, the, um, to, to this COVID of not being at a workplace and how do you actually start figuring out to start continuing the business and try to keep the momentum that we started. So that was an interesting challenge for us because we are an industry which requires a lot of high touch to our customers. Um, specifically, when you're showing houses and showcasing houses, it becomes difficult for you to do remote. Um, so that's been a pretty significant challenge that we've been trying to figure out how we're going to adapt to that market segment and be able to be productive. So that was, you know, a, some, it, it puts a lot of pressure on the business to see how you're going to react to it. So the focus has been, it's like, how do we get together and how do we figure out some tools and techniques and processes that we can put it on so that we can drive ourselves much significantly faster to be able to accomplish um, the whole remote working culture at this point in time. 
I'm also interested, right? Because it's not only how the tools processes within the organization is going to be, it's also how, you know, the training of, of these resources into getting into the new norm is going to be a very important path, uh, part for us to be able to get them into this market segment as well, right? So it, it's been a very interesting challenge for a lot of the organizations, including organizations like us, which is much more high touch, um, but it's also given us more opportunities to look into and try to expand and how do you actually create much more of a balanced approach um, in, in, in trying to you know, understand the business. One of the key things that our focus has been, and, and this is applies to any organization, we've always been focused on customer experience. Now there's a huge emphasis on employee experience, right? Which has become a very significant point specifically going into this remote work culture. And that has actually driven a lot of decision-making process from our side. How do you drive that employee experience? How do you drive the employee connectivity to be able to be productive and still be able to kind of balance their work and life as well, right? So that has been a you know, pretty much a challenge that we've been all facing as industry. And I would be interested in, in kind of hearing from the other panelists as well and how their industry and the Academia is also facing as part of COVID-19. Yeah, that's a very good good question. And we're going to talk about that. Um, you know, I think that, you know, to your point, the employee experience is very important. So we'll talk a little bit about that work-life balance here in just a minute. Um, Joe, I want to go to you next. Again, how, how has Brillio been affected? And before you answer that, just share a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks, Kim. And thank you, first of all, for allowing me the opportunity to be here. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Um, I don't know about all of you, but 2020 feels like the longest year and it's only five plus months old. Um, a little bit about Brilio. So as Kim mentioned, I'm the chief marketing officer for Brilio. We were a company that was born in 2014. So we were born digital, as we like to say, and we really are an IT services company that partners with our clients to help them accelerate what matters to their business. So we help them transform their business. We call it the, the superpowers of technology. So whether it's agile uh, development or design, we help them with mobile solutions, AI solutions, IoT type solutions, or of course the cloud. And so that's a little bit about, about Brilio and, and what we do. And so, you know, not long before both the US and India went down and lock, went into lockdown in, in mid-March, Brilio was really prepared to have our employee base work from home. You know, we have 2,500 employees worldwide, mostly here in the US. We have an office in Rosemont and, um, and a couple development centers in India. But we were prepared. Um, I think a lot of the reason we were so prepared to to pivot to a work from home model so quickly is because of the investments that we've always made in tools and platforms to help our project teams work remotely. Um, one of, I think the critical success factors, just looking back on the last three months, has been a role that we developed specifically for this new normal, this work from home. And that's, we call it the Office of Virtual Proximity. And fancy sounding title, but this role was not developed to kind of police or manage when project teams started and, and when they clocked out, so to speak, at the end of the day. 
this role took a very empathetic employee first view and making sure that they were able to collaborate, they were able to be productive, and most importantly, they were able to engage with each other in project environments as well as with their clients and making sure that there was an element of fun as well. And that became so important and continues to this day to be so important. Uh, we continued, as, as Cotter mentioned, putting a big emphasis on training and development. Um, we have what we call Brilio Academy, which invests in the competencies and skills that are required for consultants and engineers to continue to develop in their career. And then of course we took advantage of online tools like a LinkedIn learning. So I think it was a combination of all those things, Kim, that has really helped us navigate the turbulent last three plus months that we've all endured. Great, thanks. Thank you so much for sharing that, Joe. And then Professor Walker, I wanna to go to you. Um, how has the, the university responded? I mean, I think just in general, we've heard so much about, you know, the immediate transition that universities had to do to, to uh, send their kids back home. Um, so before you answer that again, share a little bit about yourself and then uh, go ahead and answer that question for me. Thank you. Great. Well, it's really great to be here. I, I second Joe's comments that the last uh, five or six months have felt like they've been two or three years with everything we've been through. Um, the university environment has been disrupted like it's never seen before. <clears throat> and COVID has changed not just the student experience, but, but clearly the staff and faculty experience. Everything that we do had been focused on convening in person. You come together for a class or a football game or practice or you live on campus if you're a student or you visit campus for, for any other reason. And all of those were rightfully restricted, I suspect. And so the universities have worked really, I think, diligently to take their online, take their product online. But there's a very valid, valid economic question. Is it the same product? And should a student be charged the same price? And you can see across the country, many students have filed class action lawsuits against the university saying you delivered a product less than what was promised and what was charged. And for some majors, that's probably grossly the case. I don't know how you would, would take music class online, for instance. Um, maybe what we do in the business school is not as much uh, a deviation, <clears throat> although I can imagine the students would say, we really would rather be there in person. So it's been an acute change, uh, but I also think it's gonna be a permanent change. So many of the activities we do, probably like the corporate world, we probably learned we could do them online and it may be better to do them online. And we may not wanna have as many staff people on site and, and pay for real estate. I thought I would add, since I live now in Seattle and, and, and do miss a lot of my friends there in Chicago, some of what we saw in Seattle, and we saw it earlier, perhaps, than you saw in Chicago. So we, we got the first taste of the virus, and a lot of companies, our major employers being <clears throat> Amazon, Microsoft, Boeing, um, in particular, I would say Microsoft and Amazon, for their headquarter offices, sent their workers home, and, and have morphed to a business model where you can essentially work from home forever. And, and that's going to change real estate, it's going to change work experience, how do you jockey for promotions, all of the things that we learned as humans to do in person, uh, I think are going to be done online. 
and uh, some of it will be good. Some maybe we'll have some questions about, but I think we'll see that in the new normal for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think Cotter actually mentioned this about the work-life balance and how that uh, is going to change. Um, Joe, to you, um, how has Grillio worked with the employees or what are some things that they are providing in order to address kind of this work-life balance now that you're working from home? Yeah, for sure. You know, we've kind of looked at this as kind of the, the greatest remote work experiment of our lifetime. I mean, in 30 years of professional experience, I've seen nothing like it. I imagine my panelists feel the same. Um, and to both uh, Cotter and, and, and Russell's point, um, some of it's not going back. This new normal is, is going to kind of be a hybrid of what we were used to from a consulting standpoint and, and what we're experiencing now. The first thing we really needed to do was take a look at our methodology. You know, our methodology is baked in doing agile development and agile design. So the first question all of our clients seem to ask us is, well, how do you do agile development when everyone's not in the same room? And how do you do design-led workshops when you're all not in the same room? These are very high-touch, collaborative-type things, right? So the first thing we had to take a look at is our methodology and adopt it to a virtual, remote experience for everyone, where everyone's going to be separate, not in the same room, and that presented challenges. But we made sure that those daily work agreements that our project teams had with their clients were adopted to a home setting. So what I mean by that, you know, if you're working an eight or a nine hour day as a consultant, we insisted that our employees took time to take a virtual coffee break or, you know, take the dog for a walk, get up, move around the ergonomics of sitting in a chair. And it's so easy to do, right? Your laptop, it could be on 14, 15, 16 hours a day. That's not healthy. And we, let our employees know right off the bat that was not expected just because you were working from home and you weren't commuting to an office. So those, those work agreements, those expectations within a project team and with the client were established early on. And these rituals um, are so important, um, particularly with um, agile development and design. So we made sure that communication norms were established um, Celebrating successes virtually with, with our clients became just as important. So the day in the life, the rituals that we all came to expect and maybe took for granted, we didn't want those to go away. And then finally, tools. There was such an emphasis placed on tools, whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Team or Blue Jeans. I mean, I've used them all as all of you have um, on a regular basis for the last four months. And um, there's other tools that, you know, agile development engineers and consultants use like Slack and OneDrive and SharePoint. So we needed to make sure that at the ready, these tools were available 24 seven. And of course that meant making sure that your business continuity planning and your security was, was ironclad. Very good. I, I love the virtual coffee and encouraging the employees to, you know, take, take that time away. Quick question for you. Did uh, you said you had 2,500, you have 2,500 employees. We How do. many of them were working from home before that? Did you have a, a contingency of folks that were? Yeah, you know, we probably had 33%, about a third that would work from home, predominantly, uh, not full time, but at mm -hmm. least a couple days a week. 
our development centers in India, those folks were for the most part in the office four plus days a week, some five, depending on the client. The folks that work from home occasionally were the folks in the US client facing roles um, when they weren't on the road meeting customers. Okay, great, great. So Russell, what about the university? How, I mean, again, you had to suddenly move the students out. So you've got that work-life balance for uh, the, the staff and then also for the, the students. Yeah, it was a difficult transition, probably um, more difficult for some people where there are a lot of rituals, I think, like uh, Joe called out. And um, you can't really do athletics preparation if you're mm-hmm. not at the gym. You, you can't go to the gym. You can't be on campus. And so they, they literally closed um, the buildings. Um, I had one reason to go to campus to pick up something. And before I had even got to the building, there was a police car right on me, right? I mean, they, it was that serious. So um, I think it's re- relaxing and we have plans to return to campus in the fall. But, but there will be some tasks that we don't do in person and probably some learnings that we can deliver content really well online in certain domains, and uh, maybe some of the domains we don't. Um, I also think um, this will change who could be an employee of a, of a university. And so, <clears throat> for instance, you had to be within driving distance or commuting distance of, of the home institution. And so I know Cotter's institution, his company's looking at real estate, and the, and the patterns of this, but frankly, if we're gonna hold a class online, then why do you have to live in the metropolitan area of the school? Could you live on the other side of the world? Could you live on the other side of the country? And so now you think about the wealth of, of talent that could be brought in to a class discussion or, or maybe to an assignment, asynchronous learning, videos from other scholars from around the world, I actually get pretty excited about that. I think there's there's a lot more that you can do, um, provided we learn to interpret online and video content um, in the same way that we might in person. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I was sharing that with my, my our son, who's about to go to Stanford for his uh, MBA, and it, there's going to be some sort of a hybrid model. But I say you, I, I you know, if you think about it, you're going to have access probably to mm-hmm. even more. Um, professors from different places and you know I, I can see that just really changing quite a bit. Yeah and one of the things we love to do of course on campus is invite people from business and have them come tell a story and you know frankly if, if you were to come to some campus and it weren't within driving distance of, of your home you've got a day of travel on each each yep. direction for a one or two hour meeting and and that inhibits a lot of people coming so I think that makes it a lot easier to say, hey, could we get 30 minutes of a prominent business leader's time? Absolutely. And maybe they, they might be able to get someone who's leader of a large company and, and contribute to maybe 20 universities all at one time, right? Absolutely. So it's a real tremendous opportunity if it's used correctly. Yeah, yeah. So, Cotter, thank you so much. Cotter, as we wrap up this segment, um, share some of the challenges that corporations are facing. So, and I... Thank you, Ken. And I completely resonate with what Professor Walker here and Joe were telling, right? Um, it's that work and life balance because like schools were out, right? At the same time, the, you know, the kinder cares or the child cares were not available. And then you had, were forced to kind of go work from home and it was all at the same place, right? Like you're all, you know, the, the setup was like 
you had your network bandwidth issues, your connectivity issues, you know, even your space issues, right? Because your kids are having online classes and then I'm having, you know, meetings with my team to kind of talk about strategy and delivery. How do you actually coordinate? And plus with pets at home, they need your attention as well. And they, you know, it's been, it's been a very interesting kind of roadmap or a journey that's actually been coming through. And, um, and I agree with Joe, right? Like it, it was for us was how do you actually create two things? One is work and life balance. And how do you actually create a more of a, um, you know, a mental sanity as well, right? For you to kind of create that productiveness, right? In, in the office, we used to be, we'll walk from one meeting to another meeting. You'll talk to a few people. You've got a break from your normal rhythm of sitting in one meeting going out and then or just walking down, get a coffee, socializing with people because the humans are built that way, right? We socialize and we actually get mm -hmm. more energy by that combination of, you know, interacting with people. Um, so we had to do it and I completely you know, aligned with, uh, with Joe. So we had virtual coffee sessions. Um, we even actually went back, like we did a, a pressure hunt and um, get to know your employee or like your coworkers, like pictures. We even did a, you know, two truth and a lie. You know, there's quite a few things that we actually did together to, to kind of get them cohesiveness. But also what we did is we did starting doing a balance of, let's move away from an output to an outcome base, right? Like, like how Joe was saying, um, you know, we gave them a piece of work and says, okay, this piece of work is going to be 40 hours. Okay, as long as you join our stand-up stand -up meeting and give us an update every day, it's up to you to design your time frame, right? We're not asking you to be nine to five, right? So do whatever you want, as long as you can get the work product done, that's all we care about, right? So that gave more kind of work and life balance for people so they can still give their attention to their kids, you know, whenever it's needed during the daytime and then go back and do their work at their own pace when kids are asleep or you know, they're doing other things, which started getting more motivational for a lot of our corporate folks to be able to do that as well, right? So that, that's, that's how I, I kind of, it, it's interesting how if I summarize, you know, where Joe and Russell were talking about is this whole, you know, online being virtual has opened up a bunch of opportunities, right? The opportunities of, you know, if I look at it from, you know, Professor Walker's side, the people who you need to bring into, you know, the colleges and schools for them to get educated as a role model or kind of share experiences from these large corporations, that has become virtual, which has actually given more opportunities for people to kind of be from any part of the world and come in virtually and give that and share that knowledge. And the other way around as well, right? Now you actually have opportunities of different colleges in different parts of the country the professors from the U.S. or one of the Ivy League or one of you know the high-end professors are able to kind of virtually also share their experiences and and kind of do classes virtually as well, right? That's built that strong things around it, and it also kind of helped. It's amazing. Like you know, I actually saw one of the new employees of Brillio post something saying that you know she's been there two weeks and there was a welcome kit that came to her and how it was all packaged with all the hardware and you know, guidelines and training and everything put together. It's almost like, you know, brilliant on a box, right? Like, you know, coming in and driving that has been interesting, right? To see, yeah. and, and I've taken some of that to our organization as well, to be able to see how you actually bring some of these, 
you know, um, ergonomics into your home and bringing some of these other hardware and software tools processes into your home yeah. to make it productive. Thank you, Cotter. When we get back, we're going to dive a little deeper into these uh, opportunities. We'll be back after these important announcements. This episode of Career Center is brought to you in part by Brilio. While staying at home, stay informed and connected with Naperville Community Television. Get our free news updates emailed to you once a day, Monday through Friday. These emails keep you up to date with the latest information on the COVID-19 pandemic, how it's directly impacting our city, and how we're weathering the situation together, even while apart. Visit nctv17.com slash subscribe to sign up now. This episode of Career Center is brought to you in part by Brilio. Welcome back to Career Center. I'm Kimberly White, Executive Director of the Career Networking Center. Back with Cotter Sicaria, industry expert in IT, Joe King, Chief Marketing Officer of Brilio, and Professor Russell Walker, University of Washington Foster School of Business. So in our first segment, we talked about the response and the work-life balance. Let's talk about some of the things that you're doing, you know, some opportunities, but also some things that you're doing just to make sure your employees are okay. So Professor Walker, I'm gonna start with you. Well, a few things that, that we do, we have a lot of check-ins with our colleagues. Um, these are, I think, more informal, um, and this probably is something that uh, frankly, could be a good best practice. Maybe start your day with a check-in with your team, whereas you might do that in person. Now that you're online, you'd say, well, can I recreate that? Yes, you can. It might not be um, quite the equal, but, but let me say, I think it's even more important because 
your connection is naturally weaker, you can't stop by someone's office. And uh, frankly, I think there's a need for it because when we're near each other and we see each other, we can communicate emotions much more easily. And as, as Connor said, even impart energy, right? To say, you know, we're really excited about this project and motivate someone. So I think if, if you're leading a team, working on a team, this is a place to over-invest in, in checking on, on everyone, right? And we think about things like emotional quotients. I think this is where you wanna have a lot more understanding about, could someone have a stressful life situation? How can I be there, even if I can't be there in person, um, can I listen more? And, uh, and when you do that, of course, you know, recognize that they're making their best effort online and, and still something might be lost, but, but ultimately you're a leader. You, you gotta, you gotta pick up some of that and you've got to be able to guide them through that. So I think opportunities like that are going to be really important for, for corporations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Cotter, what about you? What about, uh, your, your company and, um, just in the IT field in general. So, um, and, I, and I agree with, uh, you know, Russell here, right? Like it's, it's um, it going in all online, right? Has his own benefits. And we have actually learned a lot in the last few months, like as Joe said as well, of what can be done, right? Um, and what, you know, we have challenged the status quo quite a bit in the last few months and saying, what are the opportunities we can do? But it also comes with how do you actually balance the mental sanity, right? Like, you know, that you need to start balancing things out as well from your side. Um, you know, historically, when we do a lot of work and delivery or transformation, we've always had a change management person, right? Who actually focuses on that communication, the change and kind of reiterating. Okay. Now we are actually looking at like, do, instead of, you know, the, the EQ factor that uh, you know, Professor Walker was talking about, how do you bring that into this online community of work, right? And how do you, you know, empathize with people? How do you actually bring that balance out? So we are looking at trying to bring somebody and, you know, um, in that role, right? It's not a change management role. It's more of the empathizing role, trying to make sure there's coaching and guidance that's available. How do you actually manage stress, right? Because your online stress, you know, takes a different turn. And it's very difficult to empathize and see that emotional behavior through a lens, right? Um, it's, it's easy to kind of see it when you sit with them and talk to them. And when the proximity, without the proximity, it's difficult. So we are exploring a lot of opportunities with EIP programs that we normally have, which has always been used for, you know, what if you have any stress, that's actually the work is creating, go call an 800 number and do it. Instead of that, we are trying to bring a, a, a kind of a role within our organization who can actually empathize and start building that, right? That is going to be a very critical role going forward um, because that is going to be the new normal of change management, right? Mm -hmm. How do you manage that and how do you create that, that stability within people to kind of continue to be productive? Um, because in, in, in if you look at it, not only in our industry, but across a lot of the industries, you know, what I'm hearing is 42% of the workforce is going to be working remote going forward, right? 42%, 42%. Yeah, 42%, right? Wow. That's a significant amount, right? It's when you're huge, trying to yeah. compare, it used to be 6 to 8%, and now we're actually going to have 42%. That means so many different roles that you actually have to balance it out. And for you to have that role of empathizing role is going to be a pretty important one as you actually get into this new normal journey. Mm -hmm. Well, I had not heard that stat. I mean, 
knew that number was going to significantly go up, but I had not heard 42%. Wow. Uh, Joe, what about Brilio? Um, you know, no one could really prepare for this, but it sounds like you all had some things in place. Um, can you share a little bit? Yeah, sure. Completely agree with everything that uh, Russell and Cotter were just commenting on. I, I would say this, <clears throat> whether you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert, um, the, there is a desire in all of us to connect on some level, right? Human to human. And that was taken away from us with very little to no notice about three months ago. And so I heard Cotter and Russell talking and saying the word empathy a lot. It really came to our attention very quick that even though we're an IT services and consulting company, we needed to really invest in the emotional and the mental well-being of our employees now more than ever before. Just wasn't up to our healthcare provider to, to, to schedule webinars and have a 1-800 number that people can call. We were constantly, and we continue to this day, checking in with our teams, encouraging them to do a lot of fun things. Um, we've had um, Netflix meetup, book clubs, yoga. We've had virtual meditation where every Thursday at three o'clock, someone in our California office um, leads us. It's opt-in, of course. If you're not comfortable doing it, you don't. But we do 15 to 20 minutes of meditation and just deep breathing. And we had so many customers say, are you sure you guys don't have DNA embedded in human and, and human wellness? Because these ideas um, are, are uncharacteristic of an IT services company. But we quickly made those part of everything that we do in that office of virtual proximity that I talked about. Primary objective of engagement, made sure that um, we instilled fun in, in regardless of the role that you played within the organization. So we haven't mastered it by any stretch of the imagination and in a 42% of the workforce is gonna continue to work virtually. We've got our work cut out for us to, mm -hmm. to stick with these ideas and, and be able to read people and you know, tap into the emotional quotient that, um, that Russell was talking about. Absolutely, you know, thanks for sharing that. I will just share that we just did last week um, chair yoga which was pretty amazing to do. So it was kind of fun. Uh, we had a number of people on the call for that. So I think some great ideas. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap up this segment, I want to ask each one of you, and I'll start with you, Joe, just um, what are some recommendations in terms of the new normal? And for you, I want to talk about the, that safe and sustainable restart. What does that look like? Great question. We're spending a lot of management time dealing with that now. I think the key word is safe and responsible. Um, those, those are gonna drive every decision that we make. From the US standpoint, we haven't gotten reached a point where our US offices are, are going to be opening in the next month or two. They're closed indefinitely, as are a lot of other technology service providers. Um, I think the answer is a little different in India. Uh, where we actually started last week having teams slowly re-enter facilities. Again, not asking anybody to do anything they're not comfortable with, but there are some projects where, whether it's for infrastructure reasons, security reasons, the client prefers in a perfect world to have the teams together. Um, so we're starting a, a team rotation policy, whereas 
I may, for example, come into the office Monday, Wednesday, and Friday this week, and then other team members will come in Tuesday, Thursday, and then we'll rotate and do the opposite the following week. Yeah. So from now until the end of the year in India, I don't see our, our capacity in any of our offices reaching more than probably 30, 40% capacity. And that's on the conservative side. I anticipate that we'll start opening our offices in Rosemont and other places sometime in the fall, but we're going to be driven by that safe and responsible uh, rallying cry, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Safe and responsible. I like that. Um, Russell, what about universities? What does that new normal look like? It, it varies tremendously. Most universities have announced some type of hybrid model where classes are minimized on campus. Maybe those that require physical contact or, or presence are most uh, prioritized. So maybe lab classes, um, I think all universities would love to see their athletic programs um, fire back up. So those have been in the news. I, I believe there's some reason to have some caution here, right? Uh, epidemiologists say we could see a second wave in, in the fall and, and more people uh, concentrated and whether it's, you know, the proximity of people and more indoor hours leads to more transmission. I think society will decide to take some more risk than we took in the last couple months. But I also think uh, we're gonna have this conversation again in September. When numbers increase, I hope they don't, but should they increase as many people are predicting, then they're gonna say, well, you know, shouldn't we just go back to what we were doing in May? And, and I, I think there's gonna be a strong push to do that. Here in the state of Washington, uh, the governor and the state have already announced certain provisions by which employees of the state uh, may ask for accommodations. So if you feel like you're at risk um, for for COVID-19, then then the employer, the state, is obligated to do things to to help you. I suspect that will be the ask of some students who will say, you know, I don't feel comfortable being in a classroom, and so I'd like accommodations. And so um, I don't think we've seen the final word on it, even though some schools have said. Here's what we plan to do. Frankly, I think it's still a work in progress. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think, we don't know what we don't know just yet. So that's right. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Um, and Cotter, again, as we look to wrap up this segment, what does the new normal look like in, uh, in your industry and, and other industries? That's, that's, that's a great question again, right? Like, you know, and that's amazing to kind of see from you know, Professor Walker and also from Joe. Um, you know, it's safety is the utmost importance, right? And, you know, what we as an organization have decided, and we actually look at it in two different buckets that I'm looking at, right? So one is how do you actually create that safety and secure um, environment for people? Um, so we as an organization decided that we're not going to open our offices until September. Um, so it gives us enough time and energy for us to kind of look through and we're also exploring things like the a, B, a and B team, or you call it the blue and red team, different companies call it, is that what Joe was talking about, three days, one team, two days, and then you switch it over. So we are exploring some of that options as well, but we want to take the time, right? We don't want to do it right away. Take the time to, like, you know, in September, October. And as, you know, Professor Walker was talking about as well, is there going to be, or should there going to be a second wave? We need to be in a position to, you know, react to that, right? 
So now that leads into how you're going to make and be ready for anything that happens, right, post-September. So I, I kind of call that in the productive bucket. So one of the things that we've actually started looking at is we started giving some of the equipments and ergonomic environments to kind of set it up in your home. Um, you know, there's other organizations like Google have actually giving X dollars, but, you know, different organizations doing, but now we are helping to create that work environment with your home. So that gives you the ergonomics and gives you the productivity that you're looking for. Right. The second thing also we are kind of helping through that process is, is how do you actually balance yourself within your work as well. Right. And, and to do that, like, and to be productive, we need to get more training. And one of the things that we've been actually focusing on, what I would call micro learnings or micro trainings. So get them going on, like, you know, a collaboration tool. So like, if you remember what Joe was telling us, like there's so many tools and there's so many environments that we have. Now, how do you actually consolidate into a common environment and train people and then they can be productive, right? Mm -hmm. It's a good thing to have that variety, right? In a, in, a, in a corporate organization like us, but it also creates a lot more confusion, right? So we need to kind of consolidate that and be able to, you know, show there's use this tool for this, use that tool for this, so that we can increase the productivity to collaborate and move forward. And the interesting thing is also is like, you know, what I've actually seen is even the collaboration tool have started integrating with each other. I was in a call where, you know, Zoom, the chief architect, was actually you know explaining how Zoom and Microsoft Teams are integrated now. They work together. So you can initiate a Zoom meeting from Microsoft Teams and the other way around. So even that is actually getting more collaborated and more integrated together to increase the productivity, right? So you know, in, in summary, I look at it as there's a lot of opportunities, right? The focus is going to be is how do you balance your work and life? How do you actually be safe and make sure that your employees are protected and safe? And you're going to give a hybrid model where, you know, you're going to give people who wants to come and if their job needs it, come in, but create that safe environment and balance it out and be secure. And then how you're going to make them productive, right, is by trainings. Uh, by a lot of these tools and consolidating or integrating some of these collaboration tools to create a very cohesive environment for the employees and the students to be more productive. It's, 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 it's a great opportunity, I, I would say, as we uh, look at this new norm going forward. Potter, thank you so much. And I also want to thank Joe King and Professor Russ Walker for joining me on Career Center. And to our viewing audience, if you're looking for job search assistance or career development advice, visit careernetworkingcenter.org to learn more about the resources available to you. Thanks so much for watching. This episode of Career Center is brought to you in part by Brilio.